to the Waking Up From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Hey, 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 what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. That's an awful pause area. Sorry, I'll never do that to you again. Love you. Uh, Episode 44 today, all right? Really excited to have you guys. Today, we talked to Erin Newhart from eStudio Events. I met her. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, but I met her locally. Really wanted to take it offline and put it back online with this podcast Ryan and I talked to her about creating an event for whatever it is that you do. And we really talk about how you don't have to be a big thing to throw events. It's more so how can you create something for your community, for the people that you serve and create an area for them to meet and engage with what it is that you do locally. Okay. So there's a million things that we can do online. I absolutely love connecting with people online, as you can see from so many guests that I meet and so many people that we meet from the community here. But there's a lot of things that you can't supplement. And it's really nice to create that second tangible piece offline. So check out the episode. Aaron was awesome. We talk about creating an event for your creative, for your business, or for whatever it is that you want to do. Check it out. Um, welcome everyone on Instagram. Welcome back people listening on Monday morning to the waking up from work podcast. You were looking at me like I was going to come in. I was expecting you'd be jumping on it, but I guess I'm just a solo man here. You know what, Dave? You know, you're a hashtag solo man. You're now. listening to episode 44 today. See that? Why? Sometimes I have to practice the hand gestures in the morning so I actually do the right thing on camera. That worries me. 44 today, it's a problem. (laughs) And uh, today, we are following up last week where we talked to Stephanie from Grow Disrupt about increasing sales in a creative entrepreneurship type of deal or for your business or whatever it is, just moving something forward to open up opportunity for you. This week, I wanted to follow up with that is another way that you can really create something for your community to latch on to. I have Aaron Newhart. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Dude, Newhart. You just keep it together. <laughs> awesome. you, Dave? You know, I this that. is why I'm here, people. I wanted for you the to voice jump in on and it. for the names. <laughs> Aaron you Newhart to jump in on from E-Studio. And I met Aaron actually back when I was working directly in the event industry right before this position doing live sound. We connected, we had a coffee and um, we stayed connected since because we, we totally jived during that hangout session in Manchester and she got me to get a really good coffee. And um, that's a a way to a man's heart and um, welcome Erin. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I'm really excited to be here. So for those of you that don't know Erin, I'm going to have her, run through who she is, but we're talking events. Um, this is who we talk to. So Aaron has spent a lot of time working at event planning types of companies, decided to start her own based out of New Hampshire and doing a lot of mm-hmm. things online, 
There's some new stuff that we might end up talking about later on in the episode that she's cooking up to kind of do some different things too. But we really wanted to talk to Erin today about really events, events for small businesses, events for your creative, events for your community. It really doesn't matter you know, what it is that you're doing, even if you're a one-man band or you're doing something really small, I just truly, truly believe in creating something for people to huddle around to make you, you know, a good coach and a, and a person that can contribute to people's lives and, um, and creating a reason and a why for people to experience something that you offer. So Aaron, uh, for people that don't know you, don't know yeah. eStudio, do you want to just walk through who you are, what you do and what's up with events. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, well, you, I mean, you gave me a really great intro about nice. events and about why I do it's what I do. I'm super passionate about it. Um, so I have been in and around the events hospitality industry for about 15 years, um, both in nonprofit and um, for-profit organizations. And awesome. um it it's awesome. I've met so many amazing people. I have connected with so many people. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with some really cool and different types of events. And, and the one thing that keeps me coming back to working in this industry is really the community that it builds. And so to your point, Dave, like I love seeing community come together (laughs) and I love seeing people getting more connected to a cause or an organization or a person. And that really lights me up and gets me really excited. So I had been doing it with really in higher ed the last few years. And then two years ago, I decided that I was going to make the big leap and do go out and do it on my own so that I can have a larger impact. Thanks. I love that. Thanks. I, a two year birthday party is coming up in March. So (laughs) we're going to be celebrating, but it's really exciting. And, and it really was about an impact. Um, I really loved the organization that I was working for and I loved what I was doing. Um, I really wanted to have that larger impact and be able to work with many different people. So I call myself an event strategist. I do all kinds of event planning, but then I also work with organizations who might just need a piece of the puzzle. Maybe they need to figure out their sponsorship packet or they need to figure out how to reach their audience or what have you. And those are the things that I can come in and just very easily work with them on a very unique, small scale consulting basis. And then that allows them to free up a lot more of their budget for the things that they want to put towards their event as well. That's awesome. So yeah. all in event and then also a la carte for something that they might have a void in. You can yeah. fill that up. So Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's been awesome. It's been really wonderful. And I think that that, that a la carte, the event strategy has been one of the most rewarding things because when you know you can move the dial for somebody. Yes. And you're only working with them for a short amount of time, but you know that it's going to set them up and really have an amazing impact on their event. That's really exciting for me. So I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, in my past, I've been in sales leadership at another company. And that was always like kind of the strategy was how do I do multiple touch points in multiple different scenarios with, you know, customer and rep relationship and have the biggest impact in the smallest amount of time. And that's like what it feels like is like, you kind of have to look out in that field and see, 
what can I do that's the smallest amount of effort, smallest amount of time to create the biggest yield, the biggest ripple in that water for someone. And it's really cool to do that because, you know, it's amazing to be a part of something from start to finish because you really, you know, were a part of the entire, you know, growth of that from life, you know, beginning to end. And there's huge ownership in that. But there's another thing to be said about you wake up for one day, have one incredibly potent, impactful meeting or whatever it may be, and then also have that just blow up on the other side, knowing that just that piece also gave that to it. So that's that's cool. I would say both of those. Yeah. And I, you know, I love working with. I love working with events from the onset through the execution. Like that is, that's my, my background. That's my history. Like that's where, um, where I've been, but it also, I can only commit to so many of those per year. They are a lot more time intensive. And so the reward on the other end, when I'm like actually at the event and we're executing it and pulling it off, like that's an amazing feeling. But, um, but I think you're right to be able to see, organizations, especially that might not have thought that they could work with an event planner because of it's a higher ticket or, you know, their, their budget is only so much. This allows them that flexibility of being able to work with somebody who has experience in the industry and can help them move through some of those pain points that they have without being like, you know, having to commit to the long term or having them like I said, invest a lot of their budget into just having an event planner on site. So I really love the the flexibility that both give. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing, you know, out of, uh, there's always, I've seen with, with the podcast and, and picking out guests and everything that a lot of people reach out to me and I reach out to like lots of different people that are either mentor or there's someone I think is really great at what they do. Yeah. but also kind of the order of when these episodes come out usually is kind of selfish too, where there's something that's like really on my mind and I'm like, crap, I got to figure this out. And I'm like <laughs> thinking about it anyway. And yeah. then like I, I subliminally, I think also helps pick out my guests. Cause I'm like, I want to start making events at some point with the podcast. Cause we're starting yes. to get a really cool crew here. We're starting to link up with a ton of our other podcasts, yeah. you know, podcast, New Hampshire, a lot of the podcast in that community and we just went to that event I was telling you about in Lowell and met other podcasters people starting events so cool. and I was like man I want to do an event of some type at some point and I wanted to pick your brain uh cuz I think a lot of other people probably have something in their head like that but then they come back into their shell and they say oh I'm just a solo entrepreneur or I'm just one right. musician or I'm just one whatever and they don't think that they can reach that and I wanted to kind of pick your brain of what are what are some other like what are some events that make sense for small business, small entrepreneurs that they can do on a local level to start maybe and then grow it? Yeah. And and what what do you suggest to anyone in that in that way? Yeah, I'm totally aw. Oh yeah, it's Harold. That's, that's Harold. Hey Harold, that's Harold. awesome. Thanks he's, for joining us. He's the mixing um, cat. Usually he's he'll sit there for straight up hours when I mix. He really? Loves it. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, um I cat. think that anyone I don't want to say anyone can do an event, but really like if you have a group of people that are passionate about what you're doing, I think being in community 
is huge. And I think that we are in, in, we're in a space in time where we are all behind computers so often that being being in community with one another is huge. And so I think that live events really allow us to get out from behind the computer, out from our homes and come together. Um, and so I do think that solopreneurs, single artists, anyone can really put on an event. And I think it really boils down to the purpose that you're looking for, why you want to have that event, and then having clear expectations about what makes sense for that initial the onset of it. Um, I think if you have unrealistic expectations, then you're probably going to be really hard pressed at the end to feel like you succeeded. And I think that if you can kind of divorce yourself of the outcome and just know that you're going to go through this process and that you're going to build something wonderful and the people who show up are the people who are supposed to be in that room, that's amazing. Because I think that it also, depending on what you're looking for, if you're looking to have it, um, year over year, or if you want to have multiple events, then that's a really big thing too. Um, to just set that expectation in the beginning that it's, it's a starting point and that you can grow it from wherever you are. Right. Um, and so I would say the other part of that is purpose. I think that there's a lot of people out there either with the expectation that they think that they have to have events or that they think they should have events. And that's awesome. But if you aren't clear on your expectation and why you want to bring people together, I think that that's hard. A, to be authentic and carry things through. And then B, to have the connection last outside of the event afterwards. Because I think that that's a big thing. Having people from the time that they discover your event and you to understand that brand, to understand that journey, and then also to come to an event to experience that event. And then on the other side, feel more connected to your brand and be like, yeah, that was a rocking, authentic experience. I feel so much more connected to the podcast, to Dave, to the crew. Like I'm, I'm now even more of a supporter than I was before. I think that that's a big deal. And so I think anyone who is getting ready to do an event or wants to, I would just take one step back and say, why do I think that this event should be put on? Why does this event need to exist? And what am I going to add to the whole space and the conversation around whatever it is that I'm putting together? I think that those are huge questions that you can ask yourself if you're getting ready to do an event. And then from there, it also makes it super easy for you to make decisions going forward. If you know what your purpose is, and then you start to go down the road of making decisions and you veer off into left field because there's something that like everyone gets shiny, you know, shiny, shiny, object shiny, syndrome. shiny object syndrome. Right. And so, you know, right. it's easy I'm to like be like, master. Oh my God, we need oh, pyrotechnics at this event. <laughs> but really, do you like, is it yes. going to add to the event? Does it actually <laughs> make it better? Maybe not. <laughs> right. It so budget? it's, yeah. it really is. Um, yeah, it's, it's really just looking at it and, and making some, some clear choices in the beginning that help you really um, decide where you want to go from there. And then I would say there are multiple different things that you need to be able to put on an event. The location, the food, the budget, the, all of those things. The budget probably comes first. You need some money to be able to put in. There are some hard fixed costs that you're going to have to sink in sure. before anything else. But then 
decide on the, those top two or three things that are super important to you that you don't want to compromise on. If it's you are not really tied to any certain location, but you have to have amazing entertainment, like that's going to weigh higher on on your planning. So I think just being clear about what it is that you want to put out there and how you want to execute it and how you want to show up for your audience. Those are the biggest takeaways for me. I love that. That's like for anyone that's been thinking about that, listen back to what she just said, because I feel like that's if you are having shiny object syndrome, that's what you listen to, to be like, let's hone in to what it is that I need to focus on here is, and and honestly, that lines up so well with like what I've really worked on on myself over the past couple of years of getting very clear about what it is that I'm doing so that that way it's very easy to make quick, simple decisions of what I'm saying yes or no to, to move towards or away of it. Because if you don't have a, first of all, a genuine intent, like what, what, why am I doing this? What outcome am I giving to the people that it serves? Yeah. If you don't have that first and foremost for an event, or you don't have that first and foremost for the, the, the job or business that you've created, it's an issue because at one point or another, you know, the event itself or the job or career that it is that you have will fall apart because you just can't sustain success if it's not built on a genuine intent of creating something to serve someone. So I I really like what you're saying about what is my genuine intent? What do I want people to walk away from and think about this event? And then how does that, you know, encase them in a piece of my brand in a way that it's an experience? And, And also just in what you were saying earlier about like getting away from the computer. We talk about this in music all the time because we talk so about stuff, why uh, live, like it's very dependent on musicians' career right now on live uh, shows. That's a huge portion of their income because right. streaming is amazing. Love that reoccurring income coming from streaming on all the streaming services right now. But you have less upfront capital, which means that those live right. shows bring such a portion of their capital. But we talked to Scott Page from Pink Floyd on here, and he has like this Think Expo, um, you know, where he creates a a bubble in Los Angeles where you experience Pink Floyd, and it's like an entire immersive thing. And he just talked about he's like it has nothing to do with music; it's yeah. experience. That's right. People pay to experience something, yeah. and That's if they right. don't walk out of your event and then feel something different inside them then it's like they're not going to keep coming to that event. They had to come to that and then something shifted and mm-hmm. then they spend the rest of the year and then like in little pieces of their day even, you hope that that might even come back. And that is where really the brand just embeds in them. And that's my idea of like what makes a successful event from that. I love it. I love it. No, and and so there's two points that I want to hit on there. One is in terms of being an entrepreneur, like that that premise is something that is so needed for each of us, right? Like shiny, shiny object syndrome. None of us are immune to it. Some of us have it more than others. And if you don't start to get clear and sift and sort through all of that stuff as an entrepreneur, you get lost in the shuffle and so easy to do. It's so easy to do. And then you show up doing things and taking gigs or taking, you know, projects that don't have anything to do with what you really set out to do in, in 
the first place, right? So getting clear on that and really being thoughtful about what your purpose is as an entrepreneur, like that just extends right to whatever event you're putting on. And then the experiential piece is huge. I think I've heard you guys talk about the fact that, you know, we're so much less on the material objects and that we're so much more on the lifestyle that we're trying to create and like going towards the passion projects and what lights you up and creating a life around that. I love it. And so that just speaks to where our generation, generations coming up behind us are in terms of the experience versus the things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a huge, huge thing. And that's why an immersive experience, an immersive event is such a great, it's, I think it's, it's necessary, I but I too. also think that, you know, you can't get away with having, people are going to see it if it's a flat event, people are going to see it if you miss the mark on it, not being a full experience for that. And I wanted to ask about that too, because like an event seems like, like one of those things where when it's not done properly, it's not like it's a net zero type thing. It's like almost like, wow, your event was so bad. Like, there's no, <laughs> I really liked that no thing way and that now I'm, I feel like it kind of sucks. Well, for real, yeah, exactly. Cause it does paint this perception of you where it's like, oh man, like your event was awful. Like, I wonder yeah. how good everything else following you this is going to be. Exa- but really, that's, yeah, that's I like agree people, with that. people gri- grip to those perceptions. You know, they're very influenced by things like that and kind of tying back to what you were saying about experience like when people have a bad experience it's very hard in human nature for people to separate their belief about something especially something they haven't engaged with in like a a a very full way and then their experience of it so in a way it's like wow yeah you know your event is that that lasting impression where it's like oh yeah an, uh, an event that that really does well solidifies so much and really you know, brings home what we were talking about with the engagement in the community and keeping people coming back for more and yeah. really vibing with you. And then like really turning off like, oh man, that event was like, it doesn't even have to be bad. It could just be mediocre and that will just shut people right off. <laughs> yeah. So like what goes into making those events, even on the small scale, like so palatable and so impactful? That's a really great question. And I think that there are some things that you can really think about in terms of what is your brand? What are you like, what are the things that you are known for? What are the things that really your audience values? Like, why do people keep coming back to the same thing? Mm -hmm. And I think that those are the types of things you try and bring in. I think it's also in terms of experiential, you just think of the five senses, right? Like, what are people going to Mm. see, touch, feel, you know, what are they going to smell? What are they what are they going to, what is that lasting experience? Mm. And I think that those are the types of things that you really want to think about because if you are having, I don't know if, if you're having a floral party, like if you're a florist and you invite people to come and experience your, your floral arrangements, but you're doing it at an ice rink, or you're doing it at a place that smells like a locker room, like there's right. going to be a huge disconnect. And that's just like a very pedestrian thing. Mm-hmm. But I think you you really look at um, who it is that, that you're attracting. Why are they engaging with you? And then from there, really look at how you can bring those elements into your event. And I think if you act with 
integrity and if you're true to yourself and you're showing up as yourself anyways, people are experiencing you that way, yeah. then I think that they're going to get that from the event as well. I think that if that if you have a casual laid back approach, but then you want everyone to come in and sit down in rows and, and face front and, you know, they're going to experience a lecture, that's probably not going to feel authentic and, and congruent to them. So just right. think about those things. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's something you don't always think about. Right. Right. Because I was listening to another podcast that I talk about all the time. They had someone else on from another creative podcast. Mm -hmm. And he said something that, that I've been thinking about a ton this week. And it's that sometimes you need to change actually what you're doing for a business because we view ourselves as one thing. But sometimes right. we allow that to literally make it so that we don't listen to the way that other people are always over and over and over and over again saying they view us as. Because mm. we view ourselves differently mm. of who and what we are. That's right. Differently than what we project to other people. And I think that that's the same way for an event where, like, say me, I, I would say that I'm a pretty casual guy. Yeah. But I also get really, really vested into and really emotional into a topic. I like get super into it and I want to be serious about it. Yeah. And um, it would be hard for me. And I bet you I would I would have to ask other people's opinions of, of how they portray an event that I were to put on in that way because I don't know how I would do it. I'm always the guy, even in the business world, where I'm going to look sharp. Like I'm going to make sure that I don't have junk on and it's going to be clean. And it's going to be ready to go, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. not going to be the person that's like the tightest tie. That, like it's going to be something kind of mm -hmm. chill too. Yeah. So I'm like, I ride that line right in there where like, I want to sure. be really professional. I want to look that way, but I also, I always want to be just that dude at the bar. Like I'm just a dude, you yeah. know, and I want to talk like just a dude. And it's hard to um, perceive yourself, honestly, without an outside opinion. I think when you're trying right. to throw some type of event of like, how should this feel? I feel like you need to ask other people of how should it feel? What do you think? I what, think that I totally agree. I think that asking your audience and also with like a, a good degree of skepticism, right? Like you don't want to just take in everything and be like, okay, I'm going to be everything to everybody. But 100%. like, what are the people? Um, I, I actually see, um, Stacy on right now in Embrace Social You um, is on and she is a social media expert. She's amazing. And she is somebody who, you know, ask questions of your audience, see what they're engaging with, see what they're responding to. And I think that those are the types of things that people will... Um, people will give you their opinion and, and you get to see that a little bit. I think it's interesting that you said how you see yourself versus the way that others see you. And I think that that's actually been a shift for me going from an employee to being an entrepreneur, mm. because I do think that I put on like almost like a corporate hat versus my own hat. And I, I, sh in talking to people, I think that I'm, I'm, pretty much the same, but I think I carried myself a little bit differently in corporate versus, you know, now as an entrepreneur, still professionally, but it's just a little bit, I, right. I feel like I, I can take down a little bit of that, that layer of, you know, the BS. Yeah. Yeah. The BS. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. Cause, so cause I can show up even more all, authentically than I was. The corporate dance. It's, it's crazy yeah. because it like, it is crazy because at every job, there's always that first month where you mm -hmm. get it and you're like, you need to wear this. Yep. You need to do these things once a day and blah, blah, blah. 
you need to do these things to be successful. So then you buy some extra suits and then yep. you start doing those things. And then like you talk to your colleagues and you're like, dude, I don't do that. They go, oh, what's wait. up? They told me that. Right. Of course they did. Yeah, I know. But uh, if I show up to this place in a suit when I'm selling this, this guy's going to shoot me off his property. And you're like, okay. And I feel like that is like leaving, leaving the corporate area into the real world is like entrepreneurship is or like if you're being a good entrepreneur i feel like you need to maintain that professionalism no matter what you're doing you you have to be a person that is of their word full of integrity and serving for a purpose and then carrying yourself in a way where you're you're able to do that like right but at the same time i also see a lot of grit inside that world where it's like i don't care what people think of me as long as i'm still presumed professional i want to find the way that best gets this done the most efficiently, yep. the most accurately for the yeah. best price. And it's like in the middle of that world. That like give and take. Between the layer like, of bullshit is mm-hmm. like the layer of inefficiencies that corporate world puts on you oh, because you're like, gosh. I just want to find the best way to do this and the best way to serve people with what I'm doing. I don't care about whatever you're That's saying. Right. For, That's right. So I know, do you- think that if you ask your audience, if you see what they're responding to, if you you know get certain themes that come up all of the time, I think that those are the things that I would take into a live event and and really center that planning around. And I also think if you surround yourself with good people, because even if you are the person putting on the event, you still need a team of some sort. Yep. You're going to need support. You're going to need marketing, whatever. You can do a lot of it yourself, but you're going to want good people around you who one will tell you that you're not crazy when you keep moving forward and two who are going to be there to support you because putting on an event and especially if you're the one also on stage it's not a good idea to be the one on stage and also be the one running all the logistics and also be the one checking everyone in like yep give yourself that layer of you know you don't i personally i would i would hire an event planner but if you if you don't have that option like make sure you have good people around you who you know are going to represent you well and that can really help you through that process is the biggest thing for me i think because it, it you can't pull it off alone and i would be crazy to say that in any one event that i've executed that i did it on my own i have never like pulled off an event solely on my own it's either been through volunteers colleagues a, a group of staff, like you, you just, you can't do it by yourself. So give yourself that like deep breath sigh and like, let it all out and just be like, I'm not going to be able to execute this on my own. So I need, need good people around me. And that, that I think gives you a layer of like, okay, I don't have to hold on so tightly to everything either. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to be your whole you, if you are a pivotal part of that event, you need to make sure yeah. that you're able to perform what you're, you need to do too. For not sure. just, not just the physical functions that keep the event going. For sure. And I think people underestimate the amount of energy that it takes. You all probably know better than some people because you performed on stage and you, you know, you're in bands and everything, but like yeah. if you've never done that and you're now taking center stage and you're, presenting a a workshop or a conference or whatever type of event it is if you're the one who's on that's a hugely taxing place to be even if you're an extrovert even if you gain Super. energy from being around people like that's a lot of energy that you expend mm-hmm. and so just that's another reason to have good people yeah. around you and make sure that you're not doing it all on your own 
Yeah, because like I, I don't have, I'm not throwing events yet, right. but I used to always be a person that would book small shows. Like I, I coordinated all logistics of every band that's going to be on there. I'm finding out when they're showing up. I'm getting them yeah. things they need for power. I'm getting them a spot to put their gear. I'm yeah. helping them find some person. I'm helping them with something else. The cops show up because of a noise complaint. I'm handling that. That's I'm right. doing, you know what I mean? Like Dude, uh, all sorts of things, right? Like you're stopping people from doing drugs in a spot. You're like, get it out of, you know, like you're policing yep. stuff. <laughs> There's a million things that you're doing. Right. And then I also performed at a lot of those. And I will yep. tell you that those are very different things than when I can show up and I'm just there to play a show. That's right. That is a completely different story than when you're organizing Ooh. an entire event. Yes. You also need to play that show. And the reason why is because you're literally on the stage and you're performing and you're looking around and you're like, stop doing the things, stop doing that thing. And like, you're trying to like, with your eyes, you're like, if my eyes pop enough at this person to like, just death stare them into oblivion, maybe they'll just subliminally know that I want them to get out of that parking spot or stop being in that fire exit or stop doing whatever that thing is and no no it never works it It doesn't they do that and then you perform anyway because you're unwilling to give up the performance too and then both kind of go okay and both kind of fail yeah you can't really ask for anymore though legit especially in rock and roll dude so like i know we talked a little bit about like your space like make sure your space aligns with what it is you're doing you know if you're working within a budget do you have any recommendations for what types of spaces someone can use. Obviously it's going to completely vary depending on what specific thing you're doing, but it totally does. It depends on what kind of event you're putting on, but I tend to really like either avant-garde or unique spaces. So I've done events in, I've done events in like the cyclorama down in, in Boston, um, which is a pretty, it has cobblestone floors, but it's an inside space. Whoa. I've done events in, like gymnasiums and completely transform the space. So you would never know that it was a gym. I really like, if you need a huge space, I like going to like hangers, like flight hangers, Whoa. because that's a completely that so cool. industrial industrial, but it's also a completely blank space. So if you have the ability to bring things in, but then also I think that there's a lot of spaces. So for a more like those are cavernous. Those are huge spaces for more um, smaller, intimate. Like think about how many people you actually want, because it could be obviously restaurants. A lot of them have, you know, unique spaces or, or side spaces that you can use. And then there's a lot of places like town halls or libraries or, you know, like those types of spaces that have places within them that you could probably host an event that's a lot smaller. So I just, I like to look outside of, I, I work with a lot of hotels, but a hotel ballroom is a hotel ballroom. And so, yeah. oh yeah, you know, what are those other options that you have? And I would say, you know, think about, do they have catering on site or do you need to bring it in? A lot of times you need additional either insurance or types of things if it's a really crazy type of of space to be able to really um, bring in the food and have those people there and everything else. So just just think about those things. I didn't as even think about insurance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot it of people used don't, to be right? a lot of a long time ago. It used to be that like most venues would carry insurance for their events, There's like a blanket now, insurance. They and now they are literally expecting you to mostly have your own insurance. 
Wow. Um, I, yeah. So I buy wow. a day of event insurance for most of the events that I do and that protects us. It protects the, the venue. It, it protects everyone. So that's, that's a nice thing. And those are really easy to get um, online. Through the state. It's actually, it's like you, you pick the state that you are operating in. So it can in. be anywhere. Yeah. yeah. But it's a, um, an event insurance. I actually think it's like yeah. event insurance online or something like that. That's crazy. I That's something that like that. no no average Joe would ever know that. There's no way. How many stupid people do you think had to like get really hurt at events where they're yeah. just like, yeah, you know what? You guys got to be in charge of your own stuff now. I don't it, know if it's even that so much as it is like places that were like, why are we paying for this? I'm going to make other people pay for it. I mean, I you can only, like you were saying, you can only control so much of who and what is going on at your event. And so I think a lot of venues were kind of like, it's now time for somebody else to take uh, the, you know, yeah. take on that liability. And yeah. so then I think that shifts the the responsibility to the event planner as well to make sure that those things, you know, they, that you're complying with the event venue and what's going on. And <laughs> I used and to see that happen at, at like yeah. VFWs is like a perfect thing where like, it's just a bar, right? But they right. obviously rent it out to like a bunch of different things. And then mm-hmm. like, I would watch... Like I knew the bands that were being booked, you know, so I would see them book like a heavy, heavy ass metal show Mm -hmm. and I would see the, and then like any other random person that's out of VFW, if they don't listen to metal, they have no idea what that like name means on a screen. I'm like, that is a show that I've gotten my rib cage bruised at. I know what, (laughs) I know exactly what's about to happen in that space and they're booking. They're like, oh yeah, they're just going to book a show. There's going to be a bunch of people. They're setting up some drums on the stage. They do it. Awesome. Destroyed. Yes. Destroyed yeah. venue. And that's exactly what you're talking about. But like, well, I thought I was just booking a show here. Mm. I did well, not know that people sure punch did. each other at this show. Sure and that's a show. that's a huge, that's a great example of, of what you were saying about what the expectation is. So bands, that's a huge, like, that's a really easy way of deciding. You know what kind of genre it is. You know what kind of following they have. You know who you're probably going to get to show up to that. Right. So in that, you know, when like for anyone else who's planning an event, kind of look around at your audience, and you can you can take like a straw poll, or you can kind of start to see what people are going to respond to, because people who are going to heavy death metal shows are going to respond very differently to somebody who's going to a country show or to 100%. a symphony, right? Like it's yep. just, mm-hmm. it's a different group of people. Maybe there's some crossover. I'm not going to say that their Venn diagram is I'll totally, go to all those, right? I would, go, I would that's right. Go that's right. Yeah, I'll go to all. But so I guess on the engagement piece, I'm yeah. sure that like social media has a lot of, uh, a lot to do with it, with keeping people like, Hey, remember this thing that you said, remember that. What are some other like tools that you would use to make sure yeah. that you actually get the attendance that you're looking for or that you're gauging it right? Like along the way, you're moving towards it. You know that you, you want yeah. to have in place. You've kind of made a plan like we're going to take X amount of months to ramp towards it. Like what, what tools or what, what ways are of gauging it? How do you actually know how many people or huh. who's going to be showing up to this? I think it's hard with a first time event it's always a moving target. And I feel really bad saying that, but I, I will say with the onset of social media, with the, the instantaneous like Amazon prime effect that we have with the mm-hmm. Uber, we can call one and it's there in five minutes. Yep. Um, except for where I live because I live out in the boonies. Um, <laughs> but I, 
that so don't worry about it right so you can't get an uber but you can go into town and get one so that's a little different right <laughs> but i think that that it's hard for event planners now it's harder i've watched the um the RSVP window go down from when I first started in the industry, you would set like, it was very good manners to send your event invite or save the date out six months in advance or, or longer lead time. It was great to, so your reaction to that is exactly what's going on in the industry. It's like people's, people's attention spans can't even last six seconds. That's correct. Yes. Uh, we get goldfish to respond faster than we would people. So. Right? Ask me that morning. I'll see what I'm feeling, feeling like. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I would say that people are announcing their events later. I would say that also the RSVP has gone down from like, okay, please RSVP four weeks in advance, like a month in advance to really a lot of event planners end up like biting their nails, like, the week of the event because the last the biggest movement in a lot of events is that last 72 hours before the event 72 hours so my whole thing that i would suggest to any of your listeners is to try and block out that time beforehand and rsvp (laughs) two or three weeks in advance right um it's crazy and i was just talking to a client actually the other day and they already have pre-sold a good number of tickets. And I'm like, you guys are on fire. Like, do you realize that if your goal is, is 400 or 500 people and you have already pre-sold 200 and it's, you know, we're two and a half months out. I'm like, that's, you're golden. You're doing well right now. So, wow. Um, that's huge. So what so, I would say, yeah. yeah discoverability is a huge thing. And so promoting your event through different Channels is huge in terms of, you know, don't stick to one place, but definitely go to where your, your audiences are. So if it's Instagram and Facebook, or if it's um, Twitter, wherever you are, you want to make sure that your event can be seen by your audience. Okay. I would say I really enjoy, and I like how easy they've made it for Eventbrite to customize and use as a platform. Cool. I, I think it's, I wish that they didn't have fees associated with it. So more of that money goes into the pockets of the event planners. But I think that it's, it's comparable to other platforms. And also they have that discoverability feature. So you can go on to Eventbrite and you can search for different events and you can discover things as opposed to just, you know, you putting it out to your audience as well. Right. It also links up through Facebook really easily. So it's easy for you to create a Facebook event and then have people link through to an Eventbrite event. And then something that I feel like has been super successful in the events that I've done is really, really big in nonprofits where you have the the thought process of like a table captain for fundraising events. So um, think of it as ambassadors for events. And so if you know that you have people coming who have a really large following that you want more of their people to come, I would promote them into an ambassador role and really give them an affiliate link, have them promoted out. And then you can also track how many people are signing up through them. Cool. And you can reward them. You know, you can, you can gamify it. You can make it fun for them or just even knowing that they're helping you 
create a successful event and then and sharing the love, like allowing them to understand how much of an impact they made on your event is huge. So I think that that's definitely something that any event planner can use to be able to help them. That's awesome. That's such good advice. And like, I definitely have seen that in the music world where like, I remember five years ago, or I don't know, probably even longer. I remember setting up events on Facebook and then you saw, you're like, oh my God, a hundred people are going. Then you get in there and the room's packed and you're like, this is sick. Now it's like, everyone's like, yeah, I'm going. Like, I'm, I'm, I like, even Facebook knew they're like, F that we're going to make it interested. We're going to make everyone is interested. Everyone in the world is interested in going to this event and (laughs) And everyone's going to think about it until the last 72 hours. That's right. And then confirm with Aaron. Like, (laughs) and I think that that's, you know, they've made how it it is, you know, they, they reflected what's happening, which is good. You know, it is. And I think, you know, I'm a huge offender of that as well. So I call myself out. I, I say that I'm interested in events more so because I'm in the events industry. And so I want to follow and see what's going on with these, these places. And I can't, I know that I can't attend four events in one night. So that's like, that's not fair. So I'll, I'll call myself out and maybe that'll be one of my like new year's resolutions to try and work on is really only say that I'm interested in the events that I can actually attend. No one else is Erin. No one's (laughs) mad at you, (laughs) but I, but you know, you have to lead by example as well. Right. I I hear you. You're right. Don't let me influence you. No, it's (laughs) RSVP earlier. It is. But so then I would, that is another piece of advice that I just give to event planners, um, people who are planning an event for the first time. One is making sure to not freak out when you come five days out from the event and you don't have the audience that you want. Yep. Right. Keep on, keep on talking to your audience, keep on reminding them to RSVP, keep on, you know, hitting them up and, and having them know that you're excited to see them and interact with them. And then the second part of that is think really hard about whether you're going to cancel. Like if you have put yourself out there and, and that's why I think detaching from the outcome is super important is that think really hard about why you put this event on in the first place. And if the audience is not the size that you wanted it to be, but you have people who are coming, how can you either scale down or reconfigure that event a little bit Mm. to meet the needs of the people who are going to show up? Instead of bailing. There's nothing worse than just bailing. There's absolutely nothing worse because it's like, if anything, the only people you did that to were probably your most core core people and you just threw out your core you just smacked your core audience and those are the people who if you throw that event they will eventually make people get bigger into it they're your 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 big fan that you can't you cannot cancel the show because you're playing in front of other bands right that's right you know what i mean it's just like that's right oh it's like you scaling down that's such a good that's such a good thought because i i haven't thought about it that way i'm definitely the person like i don't cancel for rain like i'm not the person that's going to cancel because there's something that's not perfect about it right i'm in wedding condition all the time you know what i mean like we're doing this baby it's happening today (laughs) yeah i don't know how it's happening you know like my dress isn't perfect like it's happening but uh um that's really smart thing to say to people out there is is because especially more than ever with what you're saying with the trends of how people are going to RSVP, 
there's going to be more anxiety on people than ever who are planning an event right now. And you're saying, listen, you have to calm down a little bit and then just Mm -hmm. figure out how to work the situation to be the best way for that crew, but do not smack those people. That's not cool. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's too, you know, when you, when you decide on your purpose, maybe you do a smaller event to start with. There's no shame in doing an event that you max out at 40 people. If those 40 people are your raving fans and those are the people in the audience, um, then that's a, that's a huge deal. Right. And, and I think that there's other ways to leverage depending on whether you have sponsors or if you have other speakers or other presenters, like there's other ways to, to leverage their audiences as well. And that's something that I work, walk through a lot with my, my clients is they'll say, okay, how do I help my sponsors or my other presenters understand how they can leverage this event for themselves? Right. right. And we put together just pretty much a, a packet of it's a media packet that allows them to say, here are the ways and here's the language and here are the, like, here are the graphics so that they don't have to go hunting all over for it. Here are the hashtags that we're using. Nice. And that, that allows them to really take charge of, of their relationship to the event that they're coming and they're presenting or they're a part of it. Yeah. You want them to have ownership in it. Yeah. Just, just the same. That's right. And if it's your event, you want it to feel like it's just as important to them as anyone else because right. why bother going to the event if you're going to be half in, you know? That's I agree. I agree yeah. completely. I so, that. yeah, those are those are some of the tips that I would give people if they're getting ready to to launch a new a new event and I I think that I think the need for live events is greater now than it ever has been. I would because agree. Because I I think that just from a psychological standpoint for people looking for community that are looking for points of, of entry where they, they feel like they're included, like they, they have a voice, like they are amongst their own people. I think that all of those reasons are so important to have somebody put on an event. And so if you have a following, do it, do it, bring your people together, right? Because we can only steward a conversation and a relationship so far online. Like at some point they're going to want to meet you and talk with you and be a part of your experience as well. Right. No, I, I love that. And I think like I always preach to people who are naysayers on social media where they're like, these kids never blah, blah, blah. But anymore, I'm like, like I always, I always argue back on them and I say, listen, I've met people I would have never met in my life right. in Facebook groups and in everything because they're in the exact thing and that I care messages about. And I'm and I'm talking to people around the world that like I wouldn't know this random dude in, in Michigan or this random person right. in LA or whatever unless I had those. But I'm also a huge advocate for what you're saying, which is once I meet that person, if I'm in any of those cities, I'm always like, I'm like, hey, I'm in this city right yes. now. Anyone who wants a beer or lunch with me, hit me up. And they're they're around, and like I I might forget some of the people that I've met over the years. Yeah, but they're like actually, yeah. And then once you have a beer with that person, or you sit and hang with that person, boom, that's right. That relationship is like now locked because you that's you right. really you already found the person you clicked with. You already like linked up, but then like there you just can't beat a person to person meet up, and you definitely can't beat especially if you've known someone for a while through digital, then you put that personal thing in place. It's like, it almost just, 
took what was already there in terms of a relationship and then just made it like, okay, now I feel a tangible thing, even though it felt totally. that way before, but it's just, it's just, there is something about it that you can't replace for sure. Yeah. 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 It's, can't it's be legit human interaction in for real. Like legit human interaction. Actual. Yeah. It's that balance people. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. Those are super good tips, Aaron. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, um, of course. Can we talk about your little thing or not? We totally can. We totally okay. can. It hasn't officially launched, but I'm already talking to people about it. So, all right, it's so breaking news here. Launch? It's breaking ground here on Waking Up Ooh, from Work podcast. Oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> so, as a part of my business, um, one of the things that I got asked so prevalently from the time that I went out on my own was like, "Great, Aaron, you plan events. So, I'm a speaker. Can you help me find where to speak?" And I was like, "Well." no, you can go online and there's, there's plenty of databases and there's plenty of places to, to learn, you know, where to speak and where to apply to and everything. And so I've been really resistant to this, this change. And now I'm, I'm really, I've spent the last month and a half really pouring into it, but I've started working with speakers to help them find the audiences that they want to be in front of. And really one of the major shifts that was made for me so I've been involved with the TEDx Amiskeg Milliard event yep. in Derry for cool. the last three years. This past year, I was the co-team um, lead for the event and I had a very different view of things. So I was there all day the day before when all the speakers came together and practiced and rehearsed their, their talks. And then I got to see a lot of them, whereas the other you know, in the past years, I've been kind of outside running the event side of things. I got to see kind of more of the inner workings and, yeah, and it changed me. It changed the way that I looked at things. And I was like, there are so many people. And this was the reason that I got involved in TEDx anyways, is there are so many people who have amazing stories to share, have amazing content that people need to hear. And I found that one of the things that was holding them back is that they're not finding the audiences. They're not finding the the conferences, the places to speak. And I was like, that's a shame. That's wrong. <laughs> like we need yeah. to have people share their voices. And so I have started working with, with speakers to help them find those audiences that they want. And mostly entrepreneurs who have built businesses or have programs or, you know, services that they provide, and then also want to be able to grow their influence and grow the scope of, of their audience um, through live events. So that's, that's the new thing that I'm working on right now. I think it's so I'm cool. Super excited. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'm definitely going to stay up to date with it. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's exciting. And it's, you know, it's, I, we were talking before we went live. It's just so interesting because it's a different movement, right? For me, I left my corporate gig to go out on my own and I kind of transitioned laterally. I was doing events in that role and now I'm doing events. But now working with the speakers, it's it's something that I did as a part of the events that I was planning anyways. I, right. I did a lot of coaching and, and making sure speakers knew who they were talking to and prepping them. But now it's moving more towards that passion and not just like the logistics and what I do, what I did well before. So I'm super excited about it. I think that's so needed. Thanks. 
I, I hope so. I mean, people seem to be responding really well. So I'm It seems I'm to be thrilled. necessary, too. It seems that people are, like we were talking about before, people are kind of asking you and kind of people are gravitating towards you. And yeah. it takes that that opportunistic mindset to be like, oh, hey, here's something that's in my lap a little bit that people are kind of begging for. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of people out there who are doing this or else they wouldn't be asking me this question. Right. So, that's right. You know, how am I growing in within my business and as a person to to meet those needs it's really it is really cool where do you say for some of these speakers where do you tell them to start at where you're like when they're where they're like aaron i really want to get into speaking yeah i don't know where this is going to make sense and like they're just starting the communication to you Mm -hmm. where are you suggesting them you're like listen this is where you need to be at it's huge so i I would say the majority of the people, well, there's, there's two levels of people that I work with. I would say I do work with a few select people who are at the level that they're speaking nationally or internationally. And so that's more of a speaker's agent. Okay. And so there's a limited number of people that I can work with in that capacity. The other group of people where I have a little bit more capacity to work with them is in more the just starting out. So they have a talk that they have been giving. They have some platform. So for most people that I work with, it's really, they have um, maybe given a few talks. Maybe they've been asked to speak in their area of expertise in the past, right? but they are just starting to ramp up that speaking. And they might've just figured out from one of those opportunities. They're like, Oh, I didn't realize I could be a speaker. That's right. And I just got invited out and I did this and I just, I did it. But now it's like, Oh, I can do this. That's correct. I can That's I'm correct. To do that. Yeah. So um, for those type of people, I would say I walk them through what they need for a, a speaker kit and I can help set that up or I give them kind of a checklist and they can go to town and really put that together. Awesome. I also, what I do is I have this really extensive intake form that I have them fill out with all of the, the, particulars, what, who they want to talk to, who their target audience are, um, what the radius is that they want to speak. Are they local or are they comfortable going pretty much anywhere to speak? Um, And then we do a strategy call. And so where I think my genius comes in is that I can take someone who has these talks or has this audience that they want to reach. And then I can go out and find those opportunities for them to apply to and really match them two opportunities. Some are going to be on the nose, but I think that I also have the ability to say, wait a minute, like this is the other audience that's going to be at this event. I really think you should apply to this one as well, Mm. because it's going to translate back to what your goals are around speaking. That's cool. And that way too, I think the things that I found are people, they have a little bit of imposter syndrome. And so they, they get kind of anxious when they're like, I do want to speak, but you know, finding those opportunities is a barrier for them. And then also when they, when they go to apply to speak, if they don't understand the connection between the speaking engagement and what they have to give to that, that's a huge disconnect and and can, that's where imposter syndrome can come up again. And so that they have someone who's saying, no, your, your opportunity, like your voice would be amazing at this. That's, that helps them get over that hurdle. Um, And I've helped them prepare to really get through that call for proposal and get to the other side. So I'm really excited. It's, 
it's an opportunity that that a lot of people would have to work with me. And I love working with a variety of different people. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, all marketing or all tech or, you know, life coaches. It can, it can really be a, a, a differing group of people, which I love. That's awesome. I, yeah, I like matching that, those opportunities for those people. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you want to cap it out? Cap it out. All right. We got our yell from Instagram, which means we should cap it out. So, all right. That's when the Instagram shuts um, down on us. And it's yeah. Just Instagram like yells. Awesome. Instagram tells me to avoid the shiny imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's go. two different things. Shiny. Avoid, the, avoid the shiny things. You can tell Dave's tired. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Aaron, I ask five yeah. questions at the end. I love it. Um, I, I like to just get whatever your first thought off your tongue is. They're don't, not ridiculous. Don't questions. think too it's hard about like it. it. I'm terrified because you did not yeah. prep me ahead of time and I'm a planner. I, so on purpose, I will uh, never prep people for these five. Got it on back awesome. Feet, Always. Back All right. What's your, no, I'm just kidding. What's um, your favorite color? Yeah. I was going to just, I was going to give her some awful question so that she can. <laughs> What made you pursue this mm. as your passion? So what made it so that for you, you're like, this is the yes that I have to say versus the other no's. This is the one thing that I need to do. Why is that the one thing? Like what made it that for you? Oh, well, I think it depends on what we're applying it to. But being an entrepreneur, I think that I saw that I am an advocate and a cheerleader for people. And so it really related well to being able to go out and champion other people's events, um, their causes. And now in this new role as speaker facilitator, it I get to be that that excited about about the people. And so I think that yeah. that's one of the biggest things. That's awesome. That's like, it's, it's, it's because the two things that you did, even though this feels like such a side or like new thing to you, it's the same thing in a different shell because it's still you getting behind someone, helping them push that plow, right. And move forward with what they're trying to do in their vision. And you're just doing it in two different groups of people or just two different ways, but you're doing the same thing that you've always been good at in a different way. So that's really cool that that's the why behind it. And then you you watch the Aaron actions out there and they just reciprocate exactly what it is that's pushing that. Thanks. Um, yeah. So what along the way? Yes. You might've learned some awesome information from it. You took in the lesson. Say you could give someone the lesson that you took from it mm. by magic. Immediately, it just goes right into them. They don't have to do anything. But you also said, don't do this thing. You're like, this is the worst thing that I've ever done. Never do this. But they yeah. also just sucked in the information immediately from that lesson. They didn't have to do anything to achieve it. The fear of failure. The fear of failure is the biggest thing. It, it applies to anything. I think that a lot of us grow up with the striving, the, the need to do things well, the need to succeed. And so um, for me to not fail, I had to learn that failure is not the, 
the definite it's only feedback and that you keep moving forward. And I had Mm. to learn to pick up and move quicker. Like I had to allow that the failure didn't, or just a setback didn't define who I was or how good I was that it was just feedback for me and that I had to keep moving forward because if not, especially in an entrepreneurial situation, if you, you, it'll destroy you. You would have gone right. Like I, I went into this whole entrepreneurial journey being like, it's okay. If I don't like the worst case scenario is I will go back and get a new job, right? I'll go back and I'll get a job somewhere. But, um, but you are responsible for everything when you go out on your own. And so, you know, that they're going like, I didn't, I didn't think about that. At, at first. So failure, failure does not define you and just keep moving forward. And the Love quicker it. you can do that, the better. Yep. And that comes with time and it comes it with dealing with it. It totally right? does. Yeah. Quicker rebound after you've had to rebound more in That's the right. same space. Yep. Cool. So flip side on a more positive note, yeah. what's the best thing that you've done throughout all your process so far? Uh, You're like, hell Yeah. Five years ago, me, you should do this stuff right now. <laughs> Making the leap. Making the leap. I think oh, that. Oh, no. No, it's just like. A, it's this is like, the universal answer. It's like the answer. And it's I like, love that it's, it's like, the answer. It's like when it clicks in your head, okay. it's just like, how was I Should've never done ever it sooner. doing like, it before? Yeah. Well, here's there it is. Uh, Let me, let me tell you, I'll set the stage for you. I'll tell you a little story. I had a false start. Like I started a business back in 2012, um, where I thought I was going to be an event planner and I was going to go out and do this thing. And so I thought I was starting a business and I didn't start a business. Like I had a name, I put in some slot machine, like logo branding, and I set up a website, but I didn't show up and go out and do the thing. Right. And so I wasn't ready in that space. So I know that I went out when I was supposed to, but, but the freedom that is created and the tenacity that I didn't know that I had and that, that grit of getting over the failure or the setbacks and like continuing to move forward, like that is all stuff that I, I wouldn't change for anything. So I think the leap that's, that was a huge huge deal and also set me on a path of like self-discovery where I'm not up against anyone else's expectations anymore. I get to set my own expectations of myself mm. and that's a big deal. That's a huge shift for me. Absolutely. It um, is. I, yeah. I followed a path. I felt I followed what I thought I was supposed to do, who I thought I was supposed to become based on a lot of different external factors so of course yeah wow okay sorry uh, I- <laughs> no, no, no. no that's that was that that's was a good, good. That's a great answer yeah Thank that was you. good what is a recommended it can be a book a video a podcast what's like mm-hmm. a resource it can be in the event space it can be an entrepreneur space it can be in aaron's life space it doesn't matter what's something that you'd recommend to the audience that you're like go check this out this is awesome. Thanks. I could have told you, like I have a bookshelf. I'm, I like have three books going at one time normally. Yeah. Um, I would say right now I'm super turned on to masterclass. Um, the okay. it's, 
an app that you can um, subscribe to and get mm. a yearly subscription. And then you can watch these masterclasses of these amazing people. So I have taken the Bob Iger um, masterclass and he is currently the CEO of Disney. I have taken the Whoa. Sarah Blakely masterclass and she goes like the owner of Spanx and she goes through all of how she developed and she's insanely and smart lessons she's, learned. She's unbelievable. She, unbelievable. Right. Yeah, um, and then gosh, yeah, that would be the biggest one right now. I think I have a ton of books. So if anyone out there is listening and they're super interested in what I'm reading, like hit me up and I will totally give you a list of, of things, but nothing comes to mind right now. No, <laughs> no, give, honestly, us a, give us a list and we'll put it in the show notes. That's the okay. first time that we've heard about that app. So that was actually like perfect that you put that out there. It's um, awesome. I will put, uh, for those of you out there, I will put that app in the show notes and then huh. I will obviously put in Erin's contact stuff so you can hit her up about yeah. what book she's doing. So on that note, yeah. Where do people keep up with Erin? Where do people keep up with eStudio? What what social websites? What what? Oh, where gosh. do people check you out at? Where yeah, do they need yeah. to be? Um, you can go to my website <laughs> www.estudio.events. Um, I am on Instagram at newheart dot and dot soul. Newheart and soul. Okay. Or ah, uh, yeah, play on words. Thank you. Did you get it? I sure did. Like, can you play it on the piano? No, I'm just I kidding. Um, I understand. Uh, I don't know. We got a piano. Um, and then um, on so on Facebook, I'm E Studio Events is where awesome. you can find me as well. Yeah, excellent, cool. All right, Aaron. Well, thank you for thank being you so on the much, show. Aaron. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Absolutely. This is awesome. Yeah, we yeah. love doing this. So, thank you, people on Instagram. Thank you, people, checking out the episode. That's going to cap out episode 44 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Oh, my God. We got it together, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking PR, actually, with a music PR specialist. Excellent. All right. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. And uh, check out the show notes, wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes if you want to see this stuff if you're driving don't be writing down any of that stuff that we talked about right now make good decisions it's all there go check that out on lunch all right thank you guys bye everybody hashtag all right i actually for once did an okay job wrapping up that episode live so definitely go head on over check out the show notes wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes if you want to read up on some of those resources check out where Aaron's sites are I am going to be heading to Knoxville at the end of this week coming up after we do our live episode on Thursday so that I can go see Meg and hang out for the weekend in the Smokies, uh, actually in Gatlinburg, so a little bit outside there. Really excited for that. Hope some other people have some good Valentine's Day plans, not the uh, artificial card type of stuff, but there's no reason not to hang out with some loved ones and give some love and have a good time. So hope everyone has a good week with that. Excited on Thursday to hang out with Rough Edge Media and talk PR for musicians on episode 45 this week. And if you guys want to tune in live, we are Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at Dave Wake Up on Instagram. If you want to see other stuff that I'm chatting on at Dave Wake Up on Twitter and TikTok, I've been a little bit slow there lately. Or 
You can check us out on YouTube or, of course, wakingupfromwork.com. If you want to check out everything, love you guys. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you have some guests that you want me to have on or you have some topics you want me to cover, definitely feel free to hit us up on our email or any of that social. And if you want to check out what I'm up to with Crawlspace Audio or audio for your home and everything like that, a little bit more in depth than where I'm at here in a creative business landscape, head on over to crawlspaceaudio.com. Tons of love, guys. Have a killer week. Peace. Peace.